passion, innovation, X-Factor, enthusiasm, and leadership in education. That's what the Pixel Classroom Podcast is all about. I'm your host, Ryan Reed, business and technology teacher. You can listen to the Pixel Classroom Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and even now on Amazon Podcasts. You can even copy the RSS feed right to your computer for easy listening. And if you like what you hear, please think of subscribing to the podcast and please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to episode 32 for November 2020. And on today on the Pixel Classroom Podcast, I have a guest that is truly out of this stranger world. Creative director of Fox Fright LLC is an educational pioneer. She has taught English language arts, social studies, film, journalism, and now leads STEAM programs via her startup, Steampunks EDU. She is the recipient, or recipient as I like to call it, 2016 ISTE Emerging Leader Award, which is where I first heard about her. She has been recognized as a PBS digital innovator for her initiatives in enhancing student learning with technology. She is the co-author of Teaching Land with Mary Ellen Weeks, a fantastic book. Please go pick it out. And of course, a zombie, a design thinker, which sees her introduction and in introducing design thinking to elementary students. And she has another book, Marker Town, that focuses on SEL with the theme of acceptance. She has an infirmity for coffee mugs, because I've seen them all. Nerdy t-shirts also have seen them on her Instagram. And as a fellow Pixel creator, and with that said, I would like to welcome my friend, the one and only Amanda Fox to the Pixel Classroom Podcast. Hello, Amanda. Thank you, Ryan. I'm excited to be here today. Matter of fact, um, you've made my classroom a Pixel Classroom because I have my Mike Tyson punch out pixel um perler bead artwork hanging in in the back so thank you for that oh you're welcome yeah if anybody's wondering um so um earlier on it was during it was during the beginning of covid and i'm doing some shutdown but i was doing some pixel art and uh, i wanted to know if amanda wanted this one for uh, punch out because she was a boxer and everything so i put together king hippo and little mac and uh, i had my art teacher actually cut out a uh, board for it and we got it all pasted and uh, sent it to her and now it's hanging out in the classroom and speaking of which, what do the kids think when they see that, by the way? So, oh, they love it. So I actually have a, a signed, um, like, punch-out framed, uh, like, shadow boxing with the old school controller signed by Mike Tyson. Oh, so wow. they look at that, and then they look at the Perler Bead um, art, and, and they're like, that's my dad's favorite game. That's normally what I get. And I'm like, yay, it's mine too. Thanks for aging me immediately. Yeah, I know. I was actually talking to one of my, my sub today since I've been remote teaching the last couple of days. And he said, what year did you graduate? I said, 96. Well, that was a long time ago. I'm like, like, well, thanks, Phil. It was only 25 years ago. Thank you for making me think time has passed faster than I thought it did. And 25 years ago, I was playing Super Nintendo, you know, it's in, in Super Punch-Out. So there we go. There was that social media trending hashtag, like, what was at the box office when you you were born and yeah I remember that Ghostbusters like it was number one the week I was born so yeah and I was I was in 70 I forgot what it was the Star Wars was in 77 I forgot what the big actually I think it no the champ was 79 so it wasn't the champ because champ was uh going on spring of 79 so speaking of <laughs> boxing it's actually a good movie too <laughs> Ricky Schroeder the early years so you know Amanda thank you first of all for uh, being part of the podcast today so you know I gave you a little background here so why don't you give us a little, little bit more on your career in education because I mean you've had a quite quite the interesting career here where we are now yeah well so the last 10 years um, I had been teaching gosh it's more than 10 years now um, I've been teaching in, in different uh, areas I've taught stem digital media language arts journalism history 
and I'm back in the classroom this year um, teaching language arts and literature for uh, middle, middle grade students, so I'm teaching seventh grade. And I'm also coaching an esports team. So I've run back into the classroom, game, game trollers ablazing, not the, you know, the duck hunt game. <laughs> the laser gun with the zapper gun. Those aren't blazing, but um, our little Switch Joy Cons <laughs> are. And uh, I've, it's been exciting. I've been leveraging a lot of pop culture, as you know, the mm -hmm. reference to a stranger guest. I've been doing stranger. Stranger Lessons, it's been a theme that I've been running with this year that the kids seem to appreciate. So um, in 2013, I started flipping my classroom. Um, I got a raiseless promos promotion from teaching history to film. Mm. And uh, from there, I've just gone down this flipped, flipped video rabbit hole. So a lot of my lessons have video hooks that kind of launch them. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I mean, and it's very interesting how you were saying going back in the classroom and about the esports. I had uh, Jesse Lebensky up here uh, on here a couple weeks ago. We were talking about esports. Esports has really kind of exploded, you know, during the pandemic and more in the last couple of years. My, uh, my one of my coworkers, who's the math teacher, uh, he he takes care of the esports, and he's waiting for Jesse's book coming out here in a couple weeks. But you know, why why do you think esports has become such a large portion? Because I mean, it almost kind of goes what you're doing with your I, I think it highlights um, a population of student that, is, that doesn't typically get to shine on that aspect or, the, or in, in that sports arena. Um, and it focuses on collaboration, critical thinking, um, fast reflexes, and there's a lot of scholarships that have popped up with college. There's like $150 million in scholarships yeah. that can get, they can get full rides right now. So I think um, education tends, like trends tend to follow the money. Uh, colleges started making robust programs, high school, and it's just kind of trickled down. I'm, like I said, seventh, I'm coaching sixth through eighth grade. I have 26 students who are participating and we're doing it all virtually. So I think COVID has had another um, big impact on it being a virtual sport. It doesn't get canceled. We get to compete and we're doing that through the middle school esports league. They're, they're, um, an affiliate or part of the high school esports league. So we have um, Smash Brothers, Fortnite, uh, Mario Kart, and which we were number one in Mario Kart. Oh, that's fantastic. We eight schools in the MSCL league until last week we got beat. Uh. Uh. Um, but uh, we are number four in Rocket League out of, a, I think, 130 teams. Oh, wow. But, yeah. So we're, we're, doing, we're doing awesome. You know, our teams practice uh outside of school and they compete at either 5 or 8 p.m um they get a choice of of time and we go into a, a lobby it cues us into a match chat and um then we create kind of like the match and we we scrimmage and compete so wow that's pretty amazing yeah when i was we were just before we were recording we were talking about my sub that was in today because i've had a remote teach the last week uh but he's uh they're doing he's the chess he's the chess um coach and you know he actually won isha uh last year actually for uh, coach of the year for uh, chess and it was really interesting because he him and i have been talking a lot last couple months and they were doing theirs virtually where they have them and they put them in a zoom room or a set meet to where it can be monitored and they set the competitions and it virtually takes it through i forgot i can't think of the program right now but um he mentioned it but it's really versatile and it's free and it's in a way it's kind of a spin-off of the main um chess and competition with esports which is one too nice. 
been pretty amazing because I know they've been uh, trying to do our esports with other ones, but we haven't had a lot of meetings at our school too because I was involved with the esports very early on. But we had a problem trying to move the kids to actual competition and what they could do versus the kids just playing games, and that was uh, gotcha. that's always a hard balance too. And, oh, it, it has been it's been difficult too. I've, uh, the first week we started, I was tech support from from the time I got home till. 30 minutes after the last game. So until like 8.30 wow. PM, it was, it was a, a long day for me and trying to do tech support over zoom or over a phone call. is just not the same as in person. So there's definitely some barriers, but I went into this not knowing what I was doing. I just jumped in, you know, <laughs> and I've been and, and making it awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, one thing I've learned is if you don't know how to do it, if you use that as an excuse, you're never going to know how to do it. So just jumping in and getting, getting your feet wet and, and not being afraid to mess up or um, have the kids know more than you. That's they do. Um, I'd never played a game of rocket league until the past two weeks. So I'm right to, to rocket league. Now I'm getting down with the, with the lingo. <laughs> Well, the same um, here. I didn't. I playing with with Among Us until about last week. I had seen it for months, but I never played it. And all of a sudden, I had the kids just you know showing me around how it works. So, and awesome. now here we are going to use it for a classroom on Thursday. So, hey, you know, yeah, I'm interested they, they know it more. Yeah, we were uh, we were gonna definitely. Um, some of my students are sus when it comes to paying attention to my lessons. <laughs> yeah I, I can I can uh, I can identify with that and speaking of which you know man you have a lot of pe passions using technology just talk about here in gaming with students so especially around AR and VR and pop culture so how did you bring these passions to your students in the class especially since you have a lot of focus on gamification and PBL and creativity I mean how did this all really come about so I'm a tech nerd I've always been the person who has to have the thing that just came out <laughs> and and it hurts my heart so much to say I don't have a quest right now. <laughs> <But> oh no! <laughs> don't tell me that you do. No, I don't. Yeah. I can I can say that though. I am getting a cricket here soon. So hey. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, between that and just having a love of film and pop culture, I've always found a way to blend those things to engage students and uh, just get them excited about what I'm doing. Um, I'm a big storyteller, having a literature background, and then film, and then technology. It's kind of, I always get told I'm a, a little bit of a unicorn in that regard, of like, oh, you're a literature teacher who uses a lot of technology. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. So I'm, I'm humanities driving STEM, which has always been like a different perspective, because no, normally science, math, um, they're, they're the classes that are going to drive that type of uh, STEM activity or, or project-based learning. Um, but project-based learning and having students become creators is important to me. So I designed a, in my master's degree, I designed a learning framework. It's the story-centered design thinking framework. It's really a lesson design, a pedagogical framework to design lessons. And um, essentially what it does is it takes the concept of storytelling and the structure of the Freytag story arc and integrates uh, those elements within Stanford's design thinking framework. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do know that because I had to research that for my dissertation as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So it focuses on designing through the context of story um, and leveraging empathy, um, defining a challenge or knowledge gaps, ideating and exploring designs or solutions, and then going through that iterative process of prototyping. And for me, the writing process um, and the editing process is also iterative. So it's not foreign for me to make the leap to design thinking because we do that naturally 
with really anything that we create, including, you know, whether it's a book, you know, it goes through all these edits, all these revisions and iterative, iterative um, stages. So um, story-centered design thinking, and then pulling pop culture into that, the way I've done that is I started this year off with an intro video and it was stranger pedagogy. <laughs> and I introduced myself with all of these pop culture references about demigorgons and um, 11, I started stranger vocabulary, stranger vocabulary, they're gonna learn uh, 300 and something words this year, which is actually, I think 11 said like 346 words combined in, in season one. Yeah, I think and she I did. I started the breakdown and I'm like, we're going to have you learn sepsquibedalian words. And <laughs> so, so every uh, every two weeks they get a stranger vocab slide deck, and they I have a little eleven bitmoji that has the word, and they have to, they have a mind frayer model. They have to break down the word, you know, the mm. word, and then a word matrix um, to make them apply the word in multiple ways. They have to visualize it with VisuWord, and then from there I jumped into teaching a Gothic literature unit and it was a natural kind of it gave continuity to my content so when, mm -hmm. you're, when you're able to take a theme and kind of stitch it throughout all of your like it was my way of of sewing uh grammar and i have i have my stranger grammar lessons stranger vocabulary pulling all that language arts into my literature teaching pastiche teaching gothic literature elements and then um ultimately they had to create, they had to pick a gothic lit short story, whether it was a Stephen King story, Edgar Allan Poe, which we did a lot of Poe in class, H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Um, we did Yellow Wallpaper was one of the choices. So based on their Lexile, I made recommend, recommendations for the text. They created a one pager, they wrote on it with textual evidence, and then they had to create a scene in virtual reality from the story. It had to have the setting they had to have an area dedicated to gothic lit elements, the thematic statement, the characters, but the characters, they had to pick important um, things that the characters would say and do to drive the plot forward. So really um, envisioning and visualizing the story in virtual reality. And this Friday, we actually get to do a galley walk. Ooh. So um, all the posters are up and socially distanced. My students will um, go and scan uh, the, the QR code to the co-spaces and they will kind of go through each other's spaces, do a, uh, a virtual walkthrough um, and they get to give peer feedback. On, oh, that, that on sounds awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, something I'm doing because I'm teaching intro to graphic design next um, next semester and we're trying to get into that. We're trying to get it part of our regular art show so they can actually have the gallery walk because we're trying to set up in a more entrepreneurship because we usually have this around about April. Usually it's just after spring break. I mean, I don't know how it's going to look this year, but I've already been talking with the two art teachers on it, but we want it to where they can actually do the peer feedback. So I showed them how to do Flipgrid and do the AR part of it too because we did that with our book trailers recently in marketing, which went very well and I was just getting the feedback and some loved it some thought well it was kind of hard but at the same time as I like reading so I think it was something different I know they were saying they liked some of you some of them because I used their stranger vocabularies when we were learning periodicals and book trailers and some of them thought it was really name connected I had two that are huge stranger things fans and I had two like well this was interesting Miss Vanderplume tried to do this in English and it's like I just I just not that kind of learner and I was like no that's okay I just need a, I just wanted feedback I said if it's working I'm going to keep enhancing if it's not working then i need to you know go back to the drawing board and find out what Absolutely. happens i mean 
I just had one where we finished up making our own virtual um, game boards and game designs. It was a lot of fun, but it's always been a group project and I couldn't do that due to social distancing. And it took about two and a half more weeks for them to finish. And I just had two of them that have finally wrapped it up like just last class. And they're like, well, I'm not gonna lose my grade. I'm like, no, 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 I already told you guys, this was just not a thing versus we're doing social media with augmented and different pieces, kind of similar to that piggyback. And so they could get a feedback. And we checked that into with Jen Burtis and she's been looking at it, but that was much faster and that was much you know, quicker. So I, I, it's been a building too. I mean, especially right now, because I'll talk about this later in the podcast about what we're trying to do in marketing with using virtual reality or using co-spaces. We're trying to get that set up in a kind of a VR because usually we always made a game, but due to some limitations we have with Bloxels this year, I, it's not going to probably come about because it's just more difficult with half of the class always in remote learning because I have five kids. I will never see them probably the rest of the semester. They are going to be in remote learning whether we start going back or not because they have had that choice made, you know, for the decision to stay in remote learning. And it's just like, well, I have to include them. But at the same time is they're never going to be in my classroom at all, even when December comes about. So it's trying to found it here. You've got a really interesting thing. I mean, peer feedback, the co-space is creating that based off the literature. I'm like, I want to see this. I'm going to get my Oculus downstairs <laughs> and put it on because you made me buy an Oculus with my grant money. So <laughs> yeah, which unfortunately now they're not supporting. So I apologize for that, but that is, yeah. the, nature, that is the nature of uh, fast changing tech. Well, and like I said, but Tyler and I still have fun with it. You know, we like to put it on once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, eventually it'll be a nice paperweight, though. Oh, exactly. Just like Google Glass. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, how about um, with Teaching Land and Zombie Thinking Books? How did that all come about? Because I admit until your book was announced and because of ISTE and everything, I really had known your name circulating. Same thing with Mary Ellen. But I really didn't check out your journey about the lessons and the projects you were doing. So really, how did that, you know, all, you know what, what you were doing in the school, like how did that come about? So going back to me being a big pop culture buff, um, I love zombies and just horror stories altogether. So um, I, when I, when I got the um, Emerging Leader Award in 2016 for ISTE, I got put in a focus group. With ISTE, uh, after I won the, or, or got awarded the 2016 Emerging Leader Award, I was um, president of the Young Educator Network. Mm -hmm. And as president, I got, I was privy to um, sitting in meetings and one of the meetings was a focus club meeting. We we're talking about um, the content that they create. And I'm like, gosh, well, it'd be nice if you would make content for young educators that didn't read like a manual, right? A, uh, a workbook or a, you know, so they're like, well, what do you recommend? I'm like, I don't know, like a zombie theme survival guide for teachers. And he just kind of looked at me. And he's like, okay, okay, keep talking. And I'm like, I don't know, Night of the Living Luddites. I just remember too, when I saw that cover, I'm like, what is, what, I was like, what are Amanda and Mary Ellen doing in my head? I'm like, that's how I feel some days. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's zombie land in the classroom. That's what I felt like for the last three years after I left well, my current classroom. <laughs> We, we started talking about some of the issues of teaching and what it has in common with a zombie film is that extreme feeling of hopelessness that we have sometimes. It's just, and um, it's, it's the insurmountable task, the weight of standardized testing. So 
I, I acquainted the metaphor of a virus with the, um, with the different educational policy, government policies that have come out that have really um, shifted the focus of learning um, onto an over-standardized testing culture. Oh, yeah. Look, you know, turning students into numbers. And that's something that I did not like. And that a lot of teachers complain about they don't have time for this or they can't do that project because they're, they're in, you know, encumbered with having to teach the standards. And they're worried about what the test, tests are going to show. And they do all the test drill and prep. So uh, with that in mind, um, I wanted to write a book that had a tongue-in-cheek metaphor that was punny. <laughs> that uh my puns are deadly um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah trust me my students are always making fun of me or i haven't watched shame runs they're like mr vincent has more puns than mr reed wait a minute i'm like oh you have not met miss <laughs> fox you met miss miss fox we'll talk puns they all looked at me like uh oh <laughs> yeah oh i had so much fun with my my po uh i, I had a i had po puns and i come in every day i'm like guys pop quiz and they're like, what? I'm like, just kidding. And I'm like, but when it rains, it pose. <laughs> <laughs> this um, uh, co constant, like it took everything in me not to go dressed up as Edgar Allan Poe Dameron. Combining Poe oh, and geez. Star Wars. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I went in one day, I was like, yeah, I got a new COVID mask and it was an Edgar Allan Poe mask. <laughs> I, I, I did a joke a couple years ago when The Force Awakens came out and I had a BB-8. And I was doing it for some STEM stuff at my at Jackson, and our uh, my one our second grade teacher, her last name was Daveran, and so I, I had a joke where I took a picture of her where it said they got Poe Damien mixed up with with, with <laughs> Rachel Daveran, and all of a sudden I had several of my teachers respond "ha," and the kids were like, "Oh, that's funny," because her last name's Daveran, and his name's Dave. I was like, "Yep." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I pulled in some Lady Gaga, you know, bad pomance. Oh yeah. Just, 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 yeah. So no, I'm, I'm right there with you with, with the humor and and the pose. But so yeah, so Isti kind of approached me about writing this book, and um, next thing I know, Dave Burgess got wind of it, and he's like, "This is a DBC book," and I'm like, "Well, I don't know." And and Mary Ellen and I had to make the tough decision of do we go with Isti or do we go with DBC? We we had a a very fortunate, we were in a very fortunate position to where we got to choose our publisher. And at the end of the day, we chose to go with DBC because I wanted to call some teachers Luddites. And this didn't on that. <laughs> so, um, and then they're like, well, you can't call students zombies. I'm like, no one's immune to, to the, it's a virus of ho it's hopelessness. It's a virus of, it's a culture. It's a cultural thing. And I'm like, right. no one's immune. No one's immune in a zombie movie. It doesn't carry your rank. It doesn't carry your age. It does, you know, it, just, it doesn't care. So um, going through, I, I just um, wanted to put a focus on um, grassroots movements. When you close your door, like what you do for your kids, you know who your kids are in your room. And right. um, you, I, I firmly believe that you know, as teachers, we are best equipped to make the decisions for how we're going to teach, how we're going to assess. Um, grading grade assembly line is something that, um, that I like to talk about. I don't want kids to line up and get their work from me only to, on the way out of the door, drop it off in the trash. It's the assembly line. Here you go in the trash. I try to create uh, learning opportunities that students are proud of. The one-pagers that we just did, 
They had mm. so much fun doing them. I got, I got such wonderful feedback. We created um, digital one pagers in Canva and then students got to go in with gel pens and draw on top of them and pull in quotes and write and, and support Ooh, all the symbols. That's a lot of fun. Oh, they did such an amazing job. And I've tweeted these out. I post them on Facebook. Um, I'm in the AP Lit group on Facebook. I, I share everything there. So every, everything that I have is out there. I put it out there. But they've done such a great job. And I guarantee you, these will not go in the trash can when I give them back. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I've done a lot with Canva this year. I, I know I always say, because well, I teach consumer residents, I'm a business and tech teacher. And it's really interesting is how many will actually show like, oh, look what I did. And they're showing other teachers. And it's like, yeah. well, you don't show my stuff. And I kind of want to go like, well, you know, there's a difference. Because, you know, I, I always say I'm a 90% paper, paperless classroom, have been for years. I've still had paper and I've had a transition because of where we've been with COVID. Me too. But, but sometimes we have snowball or, or paper fights. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta have paper for and that. You just, oh, I know. And I, I do a like couple food, things. You have the imaginary food fight. So. Right. And exactly. And I was doing something the other day where it's like, okay, we have the marker on the way out. You're going to draw and add one little thing. Cause I used to have the maker whiteboard, which we'd always do towards class, which we were done early and we couldn't do as much. So I had a couple class classes. I said, you know what? You're right there. Grab it, draw one thing, put the, put the marker back. And we did, we had a couple of classes where it was pretty cool by our daily quotes and everything. So it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. We'd get some nice little art and I'd put it, I'd snap it onto my rocket book and PDF it off to my Google drive. So I, I've kind of got almost, yeah, I've got, you know, almost a year's worth of um quotes and everything everybody's like what are you using those for i said oh i've got plans they're like no really what are your plans like you if you're in graphic design you'll find out and they looked at me like you've been playing that this long i said hey sometimes i gotta do a long game with things guys i've been teaching them portfolios with wakelet and book creator and i go telling them oh, yeah. this is a long game this is a long game you know we're gonna do a long thing we're gonna have parts where you update it make it cleaner get those missing pieces i always tell you are not there because you can't just say here's my artifact isn't that a great looking book trailer and I want to go, but if I couldn't watch the movie, what's the book trailer about? And they went, oh, it's a good point. Like, you need to write down what the book is and what it's, a, and then they make you want you go to the, that way it's your artifact. That's how a portfolio works. And I said, we live in a world where I can now text you my resume in two seconds. So I've been showing them how to convert resumes, how to put it there. And I, we've been doing a manifesto. So they make a business card in Canva. They put it on a Google slide and they hyperlink their final drafts of their resume and references. And then they got ready to go and just send it. And I just say, just make sure it's on public link. So then like, people can read it versus it yeah. won't let me read your resume. It's, it's yeah, I think it's a really that. interesting thing with tech. Some kids say, Oh, here you go. I got my job by doing my entire resume in book creator. See, that's what I'm talking about. All my projects to it, all my videos, everything was in there. I, I yeah. It's, I mean, isn't it amazing? I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a classmate. He put his dissertation proposal all in ThingLink. The whole thing was in ThingLink, wow. and then just did his proposal that way, like in a ten-minute video. And the teacher was so impressed. He's like, "Yeah, you can write this. We're good." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look at that. I mean, geez, you you put it all on digital right there. <laughs> So, you know, that's another thing. Let's talk about your podcast. I and mean, we've talking about my podcast and your video learning system. So how did these all come about? What separates you from other educational uh, podcasts and videos out there? Uh, so the podcast, um, I'm working on a podcast that I'm going to be launching soon. But I've been on the virtual reality podcast with James McCrary, Stephen Sato, and Alex Chaucer. Um, mm -hmm. we've gone two strong seasons and, um, kind of fizzled out. Um, we've kind of 
picked up other independent projects. You know, we, we, uh, we went as long as we could and just it, it got a lot to coordinate all four of us together. But um, what we ha the content that we did create is phenomenal. Like you can go back and listen to it now. Um, there's a ton of episodes that cover conferences. We hit CEOs up of VR companies. We talked to tech integrators, teachers. We hit the whole immersive technology realm. Um, as far as my X factor. Um, yes, what is your X factor? That <laughs> one thing that separates you, Amanda, because you're one I have a hard time nailing down. <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place. So there are two things. I'm fearless and I approach content creation with reckless abandon. There you go. And two, I'm, I'm immature. I like <laughs> So I, find, I don't see that I on your Facebook posts ever. No. <laughs> 12 or 13 year old boy humor and just about anything. And it makes me relatable with my students. Like I, I can, yeah, I've got the dad jokes. Like <laughs> I can joke with about the video games. I can joke about basically whatever. Um, I'm, I teach middle school and it allows me to get on their level and, and build strong relationships with them. I put re rapport relationships and rapport above anything else. And once you get to know your kids, you get to know their interests and you can joke with them on a personal level, they will strive to not fail in your class. They don't want, because you have that relationship with them, for them to fail in front of you is something that they don't want you to see. They, they want to put the effort, the extra effort in it. And I have written maybe two referrals in 10 years ever. That's, that's amazing. I wish I could have said that. I have to say, that's one thing I've said here. I have not sent one referral. If anything, it's just been two for nothing done or yeah, they say they're in my class, but I can double check and say, I think they just came in, let me check with them, then shut everything off. But I said myself, I think I even tell the kids like, guys, I have yet to do a major referral. I have yet to get anybody to, to Mr. Volts's office. It's like, let's keep that record. Most of the kids have been like, okay, I think it's a good record. I think, yeah, let's keep that going. I said, now if they call you down, I can't control that. It has nothing to do with me. So, but yeah, I have to say my, man, my referrals have been down, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's creating that relationship um, with a lot of the students. And I, I do feel I've had one because I know I, I've had some students and I've had, I've been there four years. So I've seen them since freshmen. I've had to deal with the ins and outs, but I have to say there's a couple now it's like, they start getting a little too, I just like, this is time to cut it off. You know, it's work time. And, they stop it. it it's it's yeah. nice creating that rapport. And I feel like I have enough of a relationship with them to create that. And then of course I have the younger ones I have to do, but I think they sometimes get about like, you play Pokemon Go? What? Wait, you know that book? I said, Hey, I can go way back when you want me to start talking about Animaniacs. We'll go back to the heyday. They're like, isn't that coming back on Hulu? I said, once again, we can come back. If you want me to do all the closing things from, well, you've just surprised another episode, Warner Brothers and Warner Sister. What are you going to do now? We're going to go to bed. <laughs> So yeah. I, 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 it's, it's nice having that relationship with them too. But at the same time, like I said, it's rapport and you, you said referrals. I mean, wow, I barely two in that long. I wish I could say I've gone that wrong. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I mean, for me to get home on a Friday, it's, it's rapport and then also giving meaningful work. So for me to get home on a Friday at five and to already have a message from a student who's like, Hey, Miss Fox, you need to check out my co-spaces space. If you got a hot minute. Like, yeah, no, that's a great one. Well, got a hot minute. I know. I like that a hot minute. I know. I had I had a student the other day say, "Hey, I finished up my uh, Adobe Spark. You want to go look at?" It? I'm like, "Well, I'm kind of just sitting here. Sure, this is the time to do it." I'm like, "Not nothing going on." I'm like, oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. and then really yeah, good. We, we do morning work. We do morning work on Fridays. Uh, 
English language arts and literature. So I gave him a, a writing prompt. It was like a Halloween writing prompt. And we're, we're about to go into our narrative confessionals, which are going to be turned into podcasts. It's called oh, the podcast. that's gonna be cool. Macabre and Madness or Macabre and Madness is, is the, um, yes. Yeah, so look out for that. I'll be tweeting it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I have to look at that because I'm going to have some of the kids do like, they do business blogs for my one bit, but I'm like, I want you to use sync. Then I want to, I say, I want you to make a business uh, mini cast. And they're like, how do you do that? And like, think of like a radio bit where you're like, have you tried this out? Or I learned this today. Cause uh, my one mm -hmm. class, we do podcast too. And they should knock on wood. We should have their podcast knock. It keeps going. We should have them up and hopefully live by, by Thanksgiving. And I just say, guys, throw them out there. It's out on anchor. Now is the time to promote it. And I even say, yeah. guys, give us view. I have two students that graduated last year they're still podcasting they love it and we have ones in our broadcasting but they got going they said this is a lot of fun i said yeah isn't it yeah now i was talking to them about the power of podcasting today how you can you know and giving them an authentic audience like pushing it out there and telling them that anyone anyone in the world could listen to this it, it really makes them try harder it, they put more into it knowing that you know i'm not the only person that's going to hear it and and they're they're excited but you know i i the morning work it was before homeroom by the time the kid got to me he's written like four pages and he's like hey it's in my digital notebook you got to go check it out <laughs> i'm like all right all right i like that yeah so i love that students are seeking me out to to read and look at their stuff they want me to look at what they're doing so yeah and me, that's a wonderful that, message too that confirms that's that's all the confirmation that i need that i'm on the right track with my kids when when they're so excited that they're messaging me on a Friday or they're coming into class and you have to read this. So. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, and I'll get teachers that email like, Hey, did you, yeah, he was showing me his digital escape room. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm like, okay, I'm doing my job today versus oh, what was going on. I didn't look at, Oh, you know, we did this. We tried that uh, one piece you showed us in with Canva and my, and my teachers couldn't believe it. I said, don't see that. That's the power of sharing there guys. It's, I, I always talk to them too. It's like, how could you use this outside my classroom? They look at me like, what, what do you mean outside your class? Like, well, we're using this. If you had, a, if you had to do a report in anatomy right now, what would you do? And a lot of them said, well, you know, I could do this in anatomy and it probably would help me remember parts of the skull. I said, yeah, I said exactly when I, I needed this when I was anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes. So what about leadership in the classroom? Because it's very important in, in, in education. You've definitely talked about that here when we were talking, but what do you look for in your students when finding those leadership opportunities and really helping the students and teachers and find that leading in the le learners versus them being just followers? Well, I believe that whether you're a teacher or a student, creators are leaders. If you're a creator and you share your content, you're a leader. If you're creating content, you're, you're paving a way for, for people to follow you, for people to learn by your example. Leading is um, sharing what you know and creating things for others to come in and remix, remake, or make better. And creating um, also leads to personal growth. I mentioned before um, my videos, like I, I was flipping my classroom when I taught social studies, I got that raiseless promotion to film. I went from it taking me three hours to make a video, probably longer to be honest, an iMovie, just like trying to, to make it, to being able to flip, write a script, edit and flip a video and about like a, like a good quality video, like the whole production process in about an hour. 
Which is, so, yeah, that's very good. Yeah. So personal growth, um, being able to drastically improve my editing skills, and then I'm less dependent on other content that's out there. I'm able to personalize and cater to the students that are in my room. Um, and remembering to honor progress over perfection. So there have been times where I've been scared to put stuff out there because it wasn't perfect or I stuttered here or, oh, that, I messed up on a fact there. But the, the fact of the matter is, um, progress is better than not publishing anything. And when I'm in the classroom, or you can make a note in the YouTube video, hey, yeah, I know the, you know, this, this, I fumbled over this fact, or I said the wrong date here, which I've done, or I misspelled this <laughs> word because I am the queen of typos. Oh my Lord. I'm a literature teacher, but every video has a typo. So I actually started giving GP to the person who finds the typo. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of students say, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I just noticed the problem. Like, you didn't embarrass me. And I said, please let me know those things too. I said, you know, I, I, I do that a lot of times. Like, I'll be doing the video, I'll be screen, screencast, but I say, and we're going to spell this word. And sometimes in the video, I'll just like, and it would help if, you know, I spelled the word correctly, guys. Remember, left yeah. click and right click are your friends. <laughs> yeah. And, and just showing kids that we're human too and that we mess up and that that's okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically creation um yeah i mean very amazing times too i know i just recently started doing my one i have to film an episode here was education a while by the time i got to the last two videos the kids are like wow that was so much quicker and easier it's like yeah hey, i got better to gain my time my shoots and making sure i had actually a basic thing so that way when i dumped it into the computer instead of like oh and i gotta grab this three hours later i'm done more like mm -hmm, click move here that's over here okay i'll grab two some creative commons videos talk over it i'm done i'm like okay and then worst thing is just let it upload and of course get that time like everybody's on the internet now aren't they <laughs> two hours later it's finally on youtube ready to go <laughs> yeah so yeah there's power in that being able being able to um create our own rewindable learning experiences and in real time yeah very amazing so what about creating those enthusiastic learning experiences for students you, so, know, you talk about uh, the hot minute part. So, you know, what, what's making them <laughs> enthusiastic to, you yeah. know, engage them there? Yeah. So I, I think the key is letting them do the creating. Um, we can't be the keepers of the content. Um, I know that I know the content when I've created an awesome lesson and I get up and I teach it. I know it because I prep myself to teach it. Um, I think that we should hold our students accountable to be teachers in our classrooms and let them um, be part of that community resource base. They, they are resources and we can uh, divide them up into groups to however we're going to do it to have the masters of certain concepts and uh, they should be going home at the end of the day more tired than me. I, should be, <laughs> I, should be I like this idea. <laughs> yeah, the facilitator of X Factor Learning, as you call it. Yep. Uh, which means I just set up the projects, which there's a lot of front loading, but then they have to get their hands dirty and they have to do the learning part. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I've, I've teached some lessons constant time, but I always kind of start turning it over to them. Like, you know, you guys got to do it. I know what I'm talking about. And if you find something, let me know. I had a student the other day pointing out about the difference between branding and an actual logo. And I said, you know what? I'm giving your points back because that is a fantastic argument. I have to do every things too, but I did so. I'm like, here's why it's that definitely looked at it. Like, oh, you're right. But at the same time, you could argue this, Mr. Reed. And I said, you have an even better point. So you know what? I need to go back and we need to update this so that it is. And if somebody else argues, I'll update it again. But I think it's nice when they know they've had it. And I had a senior the other day look at me and I was teaching something. They went, 
wait, didn't I make that freshman year for you? I said, oh, yeah, you did, Faith. And they looked at me like, wait a second, you're using that for less? I'm like, well, it was good. And I think it's something they need to strive for. And I don't know if it was a moment of proud or slightly embarrassed, but they were just like, well, wait a minute. I said, I, they don't know what's yours. I said, relax. That's awesome. But yeah, it's amazing too when they can do that and they can add that. Because as, as you say, more leaders than followers. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you would like to share with us tonight here, Amanda? Um, I do have a new book coming out uh, by the end of this year. It's Ooh. called Markertown, and it is a, a picture book for K through four. And it is the story of, um, it's three o'clock, all the markers are packing up and they're getting ready to go home to the marker suburbs and um, the rural areas. And one marker kind of loses her top and she goes through, uh, there's, it's, it's a little bit about uh, classism and um, finding acceptance among peers. And Aww. yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun story. It's in rhyme and I wrote and illustrated it. So there'll, oh, be, a there yeah, there'll, there'll be a Kickstarter coming out soon. You'll see some more information about Markertown, but um, I've been working with uh, an AR company in Texas and uh, they're going to be doing, it's going to be an augmented book. So there will be sh- uh, not so sharp. He's the Sharpie marker, the sage, the end of the book who kind of has, he, he shares his wisdom and his AR character kind of pops up and shares wisdom throughout for students and ask reflective SEL questions as they go through the reading. Oh, wow. I like this. Yeah. That's like saying yeah. Melissa's probably going to want that for her, for her uh, kids. She has, as they said, littles more in her since she's K through second grade. So yeah, that's, I think that sounds really good. Keep an eye out for that there, listeners. I mean, mark her down. It definitely puts my, my guinea pig from outer space. It's a shame right there. <laughs> You have a guinea pig from outer space. Yeah, small hope. Didn't you ever? Didn't you ever see that? It's on Amazon. Yes, uh, shamelessly yeah. promote. You know, and it's funny. I'm going to be on the little shout out for people. Uh, my other podcast. I'm out there because besides the Teacher Meridian podcast with Kathy Murphy, I'm also going to be on the uh, Teach Better podcast. And I know they asked me like, "Are there any books you've written?" Like, yeah, I have two books. And people are like, you wrote books? I'm like, yeah, one's a graphic novel. One's about a guinea pig from outer space. They said, "A guinea pig from outer space." I need to know more. I'm like, okay, it's on Amazon. Just look up Ryan read small hope or ryan read my life as a comic book reader small hope is it like is that alluding to star wars <laughs> in, in a way you know it, it's very in, it's a very interesting story too i i actually wrote it about um a little history lesson i'll probably talk about this too on the teach better podcast but yeah in 2008 um, a lot of things else and um i had guinea pigs for a number of years actually still had them here later before we got uh on my wonderful little dog willow who i think is poking at the door over here as we're recording but um yeah um i had one of my guinea pigs die and i was so heartbreaking and i was really through a really bad and i actually wrote a little original story uh, on my blog and people just loved it and uh, years later I turned it into a little children's book uh, Kickstarter everything and everybody's like it's a very weird ending I'm like what do you mean it's an end uh, weird and it's like well you know she gives up and then the guinea pig not to do any spoilers like the guinea pig kind of goes I'm like well it was the point it was open-ended he's bringing hope to other people so you know it's like where does he go some people's like the end it's like no this isn't the end it's the beginning like where is he going so yeah it's a good opportunity for a writing prompt yeah, and uh, I still talk to my illustrator too, but it's a, it's really good. I uh, I read the story my last day at uh, Christian Life before I left in 2015. I read it to the, uh, the the younger levels there too, and I uh, one of one of my kids. It's hard to believe I was just talking to him. They said, "Oh yeah, he's 13 today." I went when the Carter turned 13. And he asked me. He was saying, "He said, do you still have a copy of that book?" I'm like, yeah, you 
can go buy it there, Lindsay. It's online still. So. But he he loved the book there too. And I'm like, it's nice to know that a kid who was in first grade who's now 13 and still loves that book. So apparently I, I wrote an engaging uh, story about a guinea pig from outer space named S'mores. I'm going to have to check it out. I think, actually, I think your kids would probably like that too. But yeah, just look me up there, Small Hope. I'll throw it in the show notes too for people interested out yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. And any any of the projects that I've talked about doing, I will throw, I will give you links to um, any of the Google slides or docs or rubrics or whatever, so you can throw in as well. Oh, that sounds like a fantastic, yeah, I like it when people share. I, I always try to get more and more show notes and sometimes they're limited and sometimes there are a lot of people like, wow, you have a lot in here. I'm like, well, you know, the share, they're out there. And, you know, that's the point of this podcast is to, you know, bring it out there. It's the finding, finding your X factor, find your passion, you know, and maybe sometimes somebody can inspire you. That's the point. And that's where we go. That's the reason why I do this. And hopefully in year two, I'll keep going. I'm hoping to get a couple more years out of this podcast, hopefully. <laughs> Keep you having awesome people like you, Amanda. I think I can keep going. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's it's been fun. Well, thank you uh, for being on the Pixel Podcast uh, today. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you there, Amanda? I am at Amanda Fox Stem on Twitter and uh, teachinglandthebook.com. So our student podcast is coming at teachinglandthebook.com slash podcast. Oh, I like a podcast. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> Pocast, macabre and madness. Um, I don't have it set up yet, but it will be. Uh, it'll be out by the end of the year when I should be rocking about thirty episodes. So. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, get that out. Good way to kick off the new year and uh, say goodbye to twenty twenty. Get some good podcasts. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll have my as we talked about. Hopefully, I'll have Doc uh, exactly shared out too. He was right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is the genre. It's definitely, as they say, one we will never forget. I'm pretty sure our kids, who are all grade school and whatnot are going to look back one day like, hey remember 2020 remember what our parents yeah, said I, yeah i think i missed an opportunity with my book i released mine in 2019 and it's about a virus that infects and changes education and it's got a monster tech table of 80 tech tools that you can use for distance learning and i'm like gosh the timing I, oh, I know. It's like, you know, I just finished reading the EdTech Coach here by uh, James and Tane. I said, well, this is perfect time. But yeah, there was a couple of other books. I said, I, I ended up giving some copies of it. I actually shared a couple of uh, teacher land with a couple of my teachers last year, and they were using some things this year. But they said, boy, too bad this book didn't come out this year. I would have bought it right away, Ryan. I said, right? I, I'm like, I know. And I even said, like, I'm actually talking to one of the co-authors. They're like, you're talking to Amanda? I said, yeah, how do you know her? I'm like, well, you know, we just got in contact, became friends, you know, Social stuff media. like that. <laughs> I, I try I try to keep on contact. I think it's pretty good there. Well, yeah. thanks again there, Amanda, for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. I I love your work and I love uh seeing everything that you're doing in your classroom. So you're definitely an inspiration to me as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll try to keep going. Hopefully uh, my evaluation after Thursday will keep that trend going here and so forth. <laughs> If you want to learn more about the Pixel Classroom Podcast, remember we are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also copy the RSS feed right into your device. If you like what you hear, please think of subscribing and please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Thank you again, listeners, and I will talk to you again later on the Pixel Classroom Podcast.